Hello, and welcome to episode number 51 of the Raw Food Podcast. I'm your host, Laura Jane the Rotarian. Today, we are talking about type 2 diabetes and nutrition. In this episode, I am joined by special guest Dr. Chad Edwards, who gives us a crash course in everything we need to know about reversing type 2 diabetes with nutrition. Dr. Chad Edwards is an osteopathic physician practicing in Tulsa, Oklahoma. His primary interest is functional medicine using a holistic approach. He's also the host of the Against the Grain podcast. Dr. Edwards generously answers all of our questions, including the difference between type 1 and type 2 diabetes, the healthiest sweeteners, the difference between eating fruit versus eating straight sugar, and he shares an example of how even the toughest cases of type 2 diabetes can be stopped in their tracks by what you eat. Even if you don't have type 2 diabetes yourself, this episode is an easy to understand overview of diabetes and how food can help you or someone you love who may be diabetic or pre-diabetic. Stay tuned and Dr. Edwards and I will be with you shortly. Thanks so much for joining me. Hey, thanks for letting me be here. It's an honor. You and I, you know, know a little bit about each other, but let's open it up for our listeners and just tell um, them a little bit about you, about your background and your interest in prevention and your your story. Sure. So I was a, you know, I, I worked in the medical community in the army uh, as a preventive medicine specialist, as an enlisted guy. And I did that for 11 years and had uh, worked with special operations and just had some really neat experiences uh, in the past with that and always know knew that I wanted to go to medical school and so in 2000 I finally you know was able to go to medical school and uh, you know the, the stars lined up so to speak and I was able to uh, realize that so um, went to Oklahoma State University and it's a it's an osteopathic physician school so we're uh, if you if the listeners don't know the difference between an MD and a DO in the United States we're fully licensed to practice medicine in the same way that MDs are in fact I took MD uh, residency boards. So I'm board certified by the American Board of uh, Family Medicine. Mm -hmm. And as I started practicing, you know, I was a special operations physician and my job was to keep these guys that are, you know, these Olympic level athletes that are out, you know, protecting our our country and and doing things that uh, a lot of people would, would never do. And they're really good at breaking themselves down. And uh, I started seeing that my traditional approach, even though I was a DO, which is a little bit different, um, at least in foundation, a little bit different than my MD colleagues, mm -hmm. but a lot of what I was doing just wasn't having the effect that, that we were wanting to have. And then you look around in the, in the country and you see, uh, diabetes is rampant, uh, obesity is rampant, lots of inflammatory problems. There's just this whole cascade of problems and it, it's kind of a, there's a longer story there, but basically it just opened Pandora's box uh, as to that what I was doing was merely treating disease mm. and that's not why I was put on this planet. And mm -hmm. if, you know, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. So if we can prevent this stuff, it would save so much money and it, we would be so much healthier. And so that I started listening to Rob Wolf's podcast, uh, in 2010 and it just kind of got me turned on to the nutrition piece, which you know, with my, I was an athletic trainer in college and, uh, you know, I worked with athletes a lot and, you know, I, I did a fair amount of nutrition, but, uh, 
this was a, a different perspective with, with a different foundation. So that really opened my eyes to a whole nother world. And once you, once you open that box, there's just really no going back. Mm -hmm. Well, I think one of the things that makes your story really powerful is that you're a really interesting hybrid of sort of the military doctor, manly <laughs> kind of, you know, guy, but also who's very um, passionate about, you know, lifestyle changes and, and the power of nutrition and exercise, stress, stress reduction, all that, that stuff. Right. So I think that's one of the main reasons why I'm excited to talk to you because I know you have the, the medical training, but you're also really open-minded as well to um, making changes in people's lives where sometimes it takes a bit of hard work, but we'll, we all know that, as you said, prevention um, is worth a pound, whatever. The, right. Thank you. Whatever the expression is. You got it. <laughs> so, um, well, we might as well just jump into it. So just a little bit of, uh, context here so we we do want to talk about diabetes what i'm looking for you at the for from you at the outset is just a kind of quick overview almost in layman's terms about the different types of diabetes um just to get that clarified um so maybe and i know having listened to one of your podcasts recently um we could also talk about being just touch on being pre-diabetic as well, and maybe sure. even gestational. So just let's give us an overview um, of the different types of diabetes. Yeah, absolutely. So I think it's important to understand the concept of what is, you know, what is diabetes and, and then what differentiates the different types. So diabetes is a condition in which we lose the ability to regulate our blood sugar. Uh, that's, that's just, you know, ultimately what it is. So blood sugar levels in our system begin to rise. <clears throat> and that causes a whole host of problems. And I almost think about it as a rust. Uh, you know, you're rusting from the inside, so to speak, where those those glucose molecules are are toxic and they begin to wear away at our physiology uh, through a number of different mechanisms. Okay. So um, we have, you know, the medical community sets this diagnosis where here you have diabetes and we have... Um, you know, I, I think the one of the podcasts that you're probably talking about where we talked quite a bit about what's called the hemoglobin A1C, and it's we're measuring one of these proteins that's been glycated. So it's got this glucose molecule attached to it. And that, that process, that glycation, is much of the damage that we get with diabetes. Is so, that like the rusting? Yes. Okay, yep, keep going. Exactly. It, it alters that protein and it makes it where it doesn't do, it doesn't function in the same way that it did before. And that process is permanent. Once you glycate that protein, there's no going back. Uh, now, some of those proteins will, you know, be eliminated and you'll generate new ones. Um, but once that protein has been glycated, there's basically no going back from that. Okay. So the medical community, we like to define, you know, when are you diabetic and when are you not? So we see things as this black and white uh, you know, disease, not disease. And that we don't, we don't live in that box. You know, our physiology doesn't operate that way where, you know, you're completely normal all the way up to this number and then past this number, you're mm -hmm. diabetic. Mm -hmm. that, that's just not the case. So when we go to pre-diabetes, we have a case where you have altered physiology. The, the, uh, the ability to control that blood sugar is beginning to deteriorate. My goal with my patients is to, for them to be optimal in their physiology. So it's very important for me to identify that pre-diabetes. And again, we're creating another box that's outside that, you know, the diabetes box. But, you know, 
we want to be optimal. So that's that's my goal. And so that's kind of my focus with pre-diabetes. It's a condition where the physiology, you know, if you think about a NASCAR, uh, you know, you got these high-performance automotive vehicles that are just like operating at the peak of, you know, our ability to make a car go. Mm-hmm. And then you have this car that's, you know, burning oil and sputtering and blown head gaskets Do and you all mean these kinds of things. Like my car? Uh, well, it could be. I haven't seen it. But keep it going. Could be. Keep going. <laughs> so, you know, you have these two different ends of the spectrum, and then you have all different levels of vehicles in the middle. Mm-hmm. And we want to be operating in a NASCAR. And we don't wait until your car has blown up to intervene. Same mm-hmm. thing with diabetes, uh, if, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So then uh, does that make sense as far as that spectrum? Yes, definitely. Okay. But but okay. I think let's t- – especially because the names type 1 and type yep. 2, we yep. could almost think – and I know that this is not true, but it's not like one is worse than the other. They're, it's both – you're – your insides are rusting, but that's right. they are very different. Yep, that's right. And so basically, you know, we're looking at how do you come up, how do you get to the point where you're losing the ability to control that blood sugar? And so that's where the type 1, type 2 comes in. So you have a, a hormone in your body called insulin. It's incredibly important for a number of things. One, it controls, it helps to control your blood sugar by lowering it and it drives glucose into cells. Well, your cells Okay, well. Yeah, go ahead. So, type 1 Yes. is an autoimmune disease. Yes. It is an autoimmune destruction meaning that your body, your immune system has recognized certain cells in your pancreas, which is an organ that lives in your in your abdomen. Um, and it's recognized certain cells as abnormal and you have antibodies that begin to attack that and destroy those cells. Mm-hmm. Those cells secrete insulin and they're called the beta cells or the, the beta cells in the islets in the pancreas. And so you destroy those cells and you cannot create insulin anymore. So now you have a condition where you don't make insulin. There is none. Okay. And, you know, uh, De- several decades ago, that was a fatal condition. You you cannot live mm-hmm. without insulin. Um, okay, so let's just move right on to so type two. Yes. Yeah. So type two diabetes is where you actually have insulin, but that insulin is not working efficiently at the cell. So insulin is supposed to bind to a receptor. It's kind of like a lock and a key. Uh, so that key insulin is supposed to fit into the lock, which is the receptor on the cell. And that allows glucose to go into the cells. And it's like the key doesn't fit anymore. Uh, it's like it's worn out and you have to jiggle the key in order to get it to turn. Okay. So that's basically type 2 diabetes. And it's also, uh, it's basically what we call insulin resistance. That, that hormone is just not working like it should. Okay. So we overwhelm the system by secreting more and more and more insulin. And then it ends up controlling our blood sugar a little bit better. So with type 1, you don't naturally, like if you, if you are not doing anything, you don't have enough insulin. That's correct. With type 2, do you have too much insulin? Or there's well, too much floating around? Yes, so that will often, that's one of the first things that I'll begin to notice with my patients. Their blood sugars look normal. They're fine. They're controlling it well. 
but we'll see insulin levels begin to rise. And it's not necessarily that there's too much. It's that it's an indicator that insulin's not working efficiently. So the body's trying to adjust. Okay. So my general understanding is, and again, um, okay, my general understanding is type one is something that is sort of like you were born with frequently. Uh, well, most of the time type one is, is a juvenile onset. There is a condition called LADA or LADA, latent autoimmune diabetes of adulthood. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're seeing things like, uh, gluten, uh, or let me rephrase that celiac disease and an association with type one diabetes. Uh, we talk about altered gut or altered intestinal permeability or what we call leaky gut Mm -hmm. um, that can increase the autoimmune or the inflammation which ultimately can lead to autoimmune disorders. So there's a lot of things that can contribute to that and because of the kinds of foods that we eat and the health that we have, we're seeing an increase in uh, type 1 diabetes both in children and in adulthood. So let me rephrase this. And so type one, I had said, was something you're kind of born with and you can't really do anything about it. That is incorrect. That's correct. Uh, as in, uh, that's... <laughs> the incorrectness that is, is that's correct. An incor- that is incorrect. <laughs> you are right. That is incorrect. Okay. Uh, there are... Now, it gets into genetic and epigenetic factors, meaning you may be predisposed, but you may not... You, you, you could have genetic twins um, that one gets diabetes and one does not. Mm-hmm. And it all depends on the environment and like you know, what one, they're Like one to. gets type 1 and what the other does not get type 1. That's correct. Okay. And then if we contrast this to type 2, we frequently, the stereotype of this anyway, is something that is sort of like you've eaten badly and therefore over time you've developed type 2. That may be a bit blunt, but is that true? Uh, for the most part, for your average uh, person, yeah, I would say that's pretty true. Now, it's important to understand that certain nutritional deficiencies, for example, chromium, uh, can cause type 2 diabetes because you got to have chromium for insulin to work in order for it to fit into the key, so to speak. So if you're chromium deficient, that can cause type 2 diabetes, and if you replenish the chromium, it can cure the type mm-hmm. 2 diabetes. Mm-hmm. But is that a chromium deficiency? Is that more like, say, less than 10% like of type 2? Like that's more rare? It's, Or is that a that, common thing with type 2? Well, I, I routinely measure chromium levels, and I do see some association. And when I'm trying to manage a patient with type 2 diabetes, it's one of the things that I always consider because if they are chromium deficient, we can make a big difference without giving them a bunch of medications. Mm-hmm. So. I don't know the numbers because no one's done a study. Uh, I have to base it off my observation in my clinic. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly it's regional. In some regions, they don't have as much chromium in their nutrition. Uh, and then there are other conditions where you can have you know, toxins that will interfere with it, uh, more elimination, those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I know I, I'm wanting to maybe focus more on type 2 yeah. for our discussion. Sure. Do you think that and this the reason i want to do that and please correct me if i'm wrong this is because type 2 is something that can be more easily fixed or 
assisted anyway by what we eat as opposed to type one which is can't be <laughs> helped For, by diet yeah, is that true yeah I, th- I think you're on the i think you're on the right track and if we're if, if we have to categorize them which you know i always want to be very careful about being speaking black and white because Patients will prove me wrong every day. Yes. Uh, so type one, for the most part, you can't turn that around. Sometimes you can. We have some cases where we've seen that. Type two uh, is is um, much more of a situation where we may be able to turn that around. I mm-hmm. had a patient that came in with a very high hemoglobin A1C. His blood sugar was very uncontrolled. Um, and we simply changed his diet, gave him a couple of supplements, and he is diabetes-free. Mm-hmm. And doing very well just on uh, optimizing his nutrition. So we do see that with type 2. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's talk about type 2. And let's even pretend this guy that you're talking about that yeah. who came in with was very dysregulated and now is much better. So what like I, I think a common thinking especially for people who don't know much about this is like you can't eat sugar or you shouldn't eat sugar and the way to change your diet to uh reverse type 2 diabetes would be to cut out sugar is it more complex than simply cutting out sugar or let's talk about what you would have maybe said to that bob let's call him yeah. um you know what does one need to do to try to reverse type 2 diabetes with food sure so the first thing is let's let's define sugar um, so we're not speaking necessarily of all carbohydrates which your body ultimately processes as uh, this generic term of sugar meaning uh, so when I, car a carbohydrate could be like a bun yes yeah okay uh, so um keep going uh any any of your carbohydrates so it could be fruits uh grains um you know there there are definitely carbohydrates in legumes and many vegetables uh, those those kinds of things. Okay. Your body will ultimately process them as uh, as uh, glucose or carbohydrates. Um, so sugar. When I say sugar, I refer to the processed uh, the processed sugar, uh, which is uh, sucrose is the the chemical name for like it. Like white sugar that you put in your tea. That's correct. Okay. So there, I absolutely pretty much across the board recommend eliminate as much as possible processed sugar. I don't think that you can, I mean, all of the, the evidence is, is consistent with this. You watch some of the documentaries and I mean, it's consistent with sugar. Sugar is, uh, you know, it's not, it's not natural. We don't, um, you know, our hunter gatherer societies are, you know, they, they don't have they're like, a, oh, there's the beach. It's made of white sugar. Get your scoop, Exactly, kids. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, you know, going back to, you know, kind of how we were made and we, we just didn't have a lot of sugar. So, yes, 100% eliminate sugar. We see improvement in health pretty much across the board. Now, that does not necessarily apply to eliminate all fruits eliminate all grains, eliminate all those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. There, there may be reasons that we need to do some of those things, but that's if we're talking specifically about diabetes, mm-hmm. that's not necessarily the case. Before we leave this, can we touch on briefly, because when I make recipes, um, yeah. 
I love desserts. I never yeah. use white sugar, but I am often using maple syrup or honey. Can we sure. talk about, um, like, it's not okay to simply just say, oh, I'm not eating white sugar. I'll just use other sweeteners instead or can we talk a little bit about those other sweeteners i've also heard of stevia i use it a little bit myself and sure. the glycemic index i guess which is kind of yes. like the how intense the sugar is let's can yes. we talk about this a little bit sure so glycemic index refers to how quickly your blood sugar goes up in response to a certain food uh, so there are you know if you eat a if you eat a sugar a, a carbohydrate and you eat fat and protein with it, it's going to slow that down. Uh, so then they've tested this with patients and measure their blood sugar. Uh, so the, uh, you're just measuring how much your blood sugar goes up. Now, when you look at some of the sweeteners like agave, mm -hmm. agave is essentially fructose. It has a very, very low glycemic index because it doesn't make glucose levels rise in your blood. So go ahead. I was going to say, so this is good because low a, a low score on the glycemic index means it's less sugary? Uh, it means that your <laughs> glucose levels don't rise much. And, and is that so good? It doesn't, uh, sort of. Uh, so, and that was the original thought. You know, oh, we need to go to agave because uh, it's good for diabetics because it doesn't make your blood sugar go up. Okay. The problem is, is that there's a little more to the story. And fructose basically what fructose does when you eat it, you know, basically when we eat foods, everything goes to the liver first. Your liver gets first crack at it. It goes and fills up the, uh, the, the sugar levels, so to speak, the uh, glycogen levels in the liver. And once the liver is full, 100% mm -hmm. of the rest of that fructose goes to fat. So it's, and you can only store, you know, so much fat. But I think it's one of the reasons that we see so much fatty liver because of that fructose burden. And when you look at sucrose, that table sugar, it's mm -hmm. half glucose, half fructose. High fructose corn syrup, which I don't know how much of that you guys have in, in Canada, but in the United States, it's everywhere. Mm -hmm. uh, corn syrup, corn starch, high fructose corn syrup. It's, you know, the, glucose, the sucrose molecule is 50-50. It's half glucose, half fructose. High fructose corn syrup is 55% fructose. Not a big difference, but it's still too much in my opinion. Mm -hmm. We should eliminate both of them. So if we – can we boil this discussion? I'm just – I know I'm cutting you off, but I know that oh, you're fine. my brain – my is like it's this fat is spilling over in my brain. There you go. <laughs> so um, if we're saying white – is there a way to kind of make a um, – a scale, let's say if white sugar is like the worst at the top. Yeah. yeah. And if maybe agave is maybe not as bad, but still up there. Like, can we talk about if if white sugar is the worst sweetener right. for diabetics, type 2 diabetics, what would be the best sweetener for type 2 diabetics? I Across the board, I like stevia. Okay. Um, stevia, I mean, it's got a, a decent flavor profile. Um, you can cook with it and you certainly know more about that than, than I would. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, it, you can use it in baking and things like that. Um, xylitol, uh, is a, is a sugar alcohol and it's just the biochemistry of it. Um, it, and it can play a role as well. Some of the dentists like it because the bacteria can't use 
the xylitol, and so they kind of starve, so to speak. So mm -hmm. it's it doesn't cause your teeth to rot as much. Mm -hmm. uh, and then uh, erythritol uh, is another one. And most of these, I'll say, artificial non-sugar sweeteners have a have a funky taste. Mm -hmm. So you have to get them in combination uh, so that you you kind of offset some of that weird taste. So, uh, but the stevia is way up there on my list. Okay. And if we could, um, again, let's say, okay, if the best would be, say, um, xylitol, stevia, etc. Is there anything that is still sort of somewhat a natural sweetener, say, like honey or even dates? Sure. Um, is there any, or maple syrup or, or agave, like out of those, is there anyone that you think is better? Or is it that they're all sort of similar? Well, I, I think that they're all similar. And so, you know, when it comes to honey and maple syrup and those kinds of things, I do not uh, eliminate those things. Mm -hmm. I say pick your poison. Mm -hmm. um, you have, And if you've got somebody that's a very uncontrolled type, to, type 2 diabetic, we may have to just do, I'll call it a cleanse. I kind of hate that word, but we'll call it a cleanse. Sure. And just avoid it completely for, you know, a couple of months. And then let's reintroduce some as your physiology adjusts to this new way of eating. Mm -hmm. So honey, maple syrup, those kind of natural things, I think they're appropriate. I think they're fine. But I, you got to be careful on how much you're getting. And I think, and I don't want to talk too much about it, but I think they are quite high on the glycemic index as well. So maybe could we also say the difference between white sugar and honey isn't that different? Uh, that's that's probably a true statement, um, and we just have to be very careful about how much of that we use. Definitely. Okay. Thank you for working through that with me. So yeah, maybe maybe how does fruit fare in this? Yeah. So fruit is a very interesting piece, and you got to understand that fruit, you know, all fruit is not the same. Mm -hmm. So some of the fruits that I just absolutely love are very high in simple sugars like grapes, uh, mango, pineapple. I mean, I just, I love them. Those I are the best on ones. Yes, exactly. Uh, so good. Um, so sweet, but, probably. Exactly. <laughs> but you have to understand that there's a lot of good stuff that comes with those as well. There's nutrients. There's, uh, you know, multiple vitamins. There's uh, phytonutrients and antioxidants and all kinds of things like that that come with them. So we're not talking about processing something down to just the sugar. Uh, you know, so if you're talking about like a good, better, best, mm -hmm. the best option is how the fruit uh, comes in its natural form. So like an apple. So an mm -hmm. apple, in my opinion, would be the best way to go. The next way to go, the next best way to go would be like apple juice. So mm -hmm. you lose a lot of the fiber. And remember when we talked about the glycemic index, we're talking about other things in conjunction with it that slow down its absorption. Mm -hmm. And when you get apple juice, you've lost a lot of the fiber, you've lost some other nutrients, and you're, you've processed it one step further. And then the worst one would be apple flavor, uh, you know, where we just take an extract of the apple and, uh, and then use that. So it's going from that, you know, worst to best, eat the, eat the food in the way it, it, grew on the planet naturally mm -hmm. and the less processing we do to it the better and I'm not talking about slicing it up and put it in your salad mm -hmm. not, I'm not talking about baking with it and those kinds of things I'm talking about don't just uh, process it down for so you can put it in a in a juice well I actually really like the way that you've explained that because to me we always hear about 
eat things in their natural form, but I think what you've added to that for me anyway is it's almost weighted down. It's got, you know, like a chain. The the sweetness has like a chain around its neck where it's like it's hauling along this fiber and it's hauling along whatever else that helps to slow it down so that it's not hitting your system so intensely. Right. I think that helps as like a visual thought of why it's why fruit say it might be different than sugar or honey or or what have you sure and i like the way you said that that's a very good visual so i do know that um like i said often people will contact me and say i've just been diagnosed with type 2 diabetes i don't know what to eat what do i do so um would you say with your patients you kind of suggest i know we don't like the word cleanse maybe for this but like sort of starting in an extreme way. How do you suggest your patients try to deal with this diagnosis and if they want to change it with diet? Yeah, sure. So the first thing is you have to get their buy-in. You have to have them on board. If you make such a sweeping change that it's seemingly not doable to them, mm-hmm. then you've lost them. So you have to you have to scale it for each patient in a way that they can do. Some people they're rip the band-aid people off, uh, rip the band-aid off uh, people, and they just want to, you know, dive in and they're in. You got other people that have to wade into the water a little bit more deeply, so you mm-hmm. have to be very careful and and customize it for that patient. So that's the first thing that I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second thing, but if we're talking about, you know, because I mean, some you never want to let perfect be the enemy of good. So this may be the perfect level, but it may be unattainable for them for totally. whatever reason. Totally. So, Let's let's do better. My my goal is to help them in their journey. So let's do better. So how can we do that? So the more we can eliminate those uh, simple, refined, processed sugars, uh, the better off we are. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if sometimes I will recommend a ketogenic diet. I mean, I've seen good benefit with that in some people. Um, Dr. Perlmutter, I don't know if you've heard of him. I've um, I've heard of both of him and the way of eating, but can you, I don't even remember really what a ketogenic diet is. What are the bones of that? And it's important to understand that in diabetes as well, because basically when your insulin levels drop very low, then you're able to burn more fat. So one of the byproducts, it's kind of the ashes, so to speak, of burning fat is ketones. So these ketones and the ketones are, are good and beneficial uh, so long as you don't have too much of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, uh, and normal physiology, that doesn't really happen. Type one diabetics can go into what's called ketoacidosis. Uh, but ketosis is just a, a, a condition where you're creating, uh, these ketones and you can measure them in your urine and in your blood. So basically it just lets us know that we're eating so few carbs that we don't have a ton of insulin so we're burning more fat as fuel so is uh, a ketogenic diet low carb yeah it almost it almost has to be unless your physiology is abnormal like with a type 1 diabetic okay yeah otherwise as you eat carbohydrates uh, your blood sugar levels will rise and insulin levels have to go up that insulin, it does more than just control your blood sugar. And one of the things is it shifts your energy burning uh, systems so that you're burning different kinds of fuel. And with higher levels of insulin, you don't burn fat. So moving away from the scary words that 
that scare me. Yeah. <laughs> so if going back to sort of my question and answering it in a different way. So we said, how does one approach this? And then we began talking about ketogenic diet. Yeah. And then we said ketogenic diet is low carb-ish. Right. How else would you describe the ketogenic diet in terms of what you're eating? Like, what do you eat when you Basically, it's, it's proteins and fats. So you're talking about, um, you know, what you're talking about beans, although beans have carbohydrates in them as well. Um, you're talking about high levels of fat. Uh, so you're talking coconut oils, um, certainly, I mean, any kind of animal fat, assuming that it's normal, uh, healthy animals, not a uh, confined feeding operation type, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, hormone laden, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, good butters, um, you know, grass fed kinds of butters, those kinds of things. Uh, so anything, and then of course your green leafies are always good. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, your broccoli and cruciferous vegetables, those kinds of things. Carrots are higher in carbohydrates. So you can't eat a lot of carrots on a ketogenic diet. Okay. Okay. So basically you're not eating a lot of sweets. You're not eating a lot of, um, high carb stuff. And then you're just kind of eating proteins, vegetables ish. And, and fats. That's correct. Yes. Yes. Okay. That's correct. And, you know, I was recently in Paris and walking around, just looking around, there's not a lot of obesity and there, in fact, it's, it's rare and they eat tons of a lot of the foods that I would traditionally in America say, don't eat those things. Mm -hmm. I would argue that there's something different about our food here than there is there. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a common theme. We, you know, we, we, uh, we think there's definitely something different, but it changes the physiology. So I think there's more to it than just simply talking about the sugars. Yeah. uh, I mean, I I do think that that's an important piece. Yeah. I totally agree with that. Um, this, first of all, I am learning a lot. This is, this is great. So good with type two now me, thankfully not struggling with any of these issues myself can we talk through someone say who comes to you and says whatever i feel bad something's going on and then you you do testing you realize um you're a type 2 diabetic right. does this mean uh, logistically from almost like a medical perspective um are they then have to be testing their insulin levels daily like how, what is the pr- yeah. process from a type two diagnosis and it really depends on that spectrum um and it depends on the medications that i'm using if i'm giving someone insulin insulin can make their blood sugar drop dramatically and low blood sugar can be fatal it can kill you so we have to be very 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 careful about that so if i put someone on insulin then they have to be checking their blood sugars without question now this is go ahead keep going uh, if they're a I'll say a, a low severity uh, diabetic, they're not horrifically uncontrolled, mm-hmm. uh, then I'm going to start with lifestyle changes, which mm-hmm. is exercise um, and, you know, watching carbohydrates and uh, refined sugars and all those things. The second thing I'm going to do is start adding some supplements. You know, we mentioned chromium. That's one thing I'll often add. There are several herbs that can be beneficial uh, mm-hmm. and I will add those depending on the patient's uh, thoughts. Mm-hmm. Alpha lipoic acid is a substance that our body makes, but taking it as a supplement in a very, very high quality supplement um, can be very beneficial in lowering blood sugar. So I'll add supplements 
And then the last thing that I'll do is add medications because mm-hmm. I just see more um, more risk associated with medications. If they, yeah, go ahead. So with your patients, do we see some people who maybe are just, okay, we have a brand new diagnosis of type 2. Right. Some people probably just are not emotionally able or whatever to really consider any lifestyle lifestyle changes. So some people might just sort of get medication and continue eating. This is not ideal, but this is probably right. happens. So continue eating the same way and then just dealing with their type two with drugs. Right. Yeah. And we see that all the time. I don't see that as much in my practice because most of my Well, patients... because you're you and people love exactly. you. They come to you for that. <laughs> yeah, keep going. That's right. So, but before I opened my own clinic, yes, that was that was very mainstream. I don't want to change anything. And why should I? You can just give me a pill. Yeah. And yeah, then, but the is it also, if somebody comes to you too with, say, very bad type 2 diabetes and says, oh, no, I, you know, I'm a hippie. I don't do medication. Um, I want to only control this with diet and I'm ready to go all the way. Is that too risky? No. In fact, let me get, let me illustrate that with a story. So Dr. Heizinga as the medical director on the TV show, The Biggest Loser. Okay. And I've worked with him. Um, he's a friend of mine. And he was telling me about one of the contestants uh, on one of the seasons. And I don't remember the, the patient's name, but he had horribly uncontrolled diabetes. In fact, he didn't qualify. He was medically disqualified from the show. Mm-hmm. But Dr. Heisinga said, no, I'll, I'll take care of him. We're going to get him taken care of. So they brought him on the show. He was on 13, 13 diabetes medications Whoa. every day. Three of those were injections every day. And his blood sugar was horrifically uncontrolled in the two and 300 level. So two weeks on the show, he was off all of his medications. In two weeks, mm-hmm. he was off all of them. Mm-hmm. They used a device called a Dexcom, which is a continuous plasma glucose monitor. It measures your blood sugar every five minutes. They did this for a week. And at 10 weeks, he put uh, this contestant's um, uh, Dexcom results up. He was off all of his medications, and his blood sugar was 100% normal, including an oral glucose tolerance test where they give a high dose of carbohydrates and see how you respond. So... This is a case where he was horrifically uncontrolled and completely reversed that process in within 10 weeks. And this he was a type 2 diabetic. That's correct. So, and he presumably, if he was on that show, he was quite obese. Yes, that's correct. And he lost quite a bit of weight. But he didn't lose, uh, he didn't lose all of his weight in two weeks. No. But, uh, you know, the physiology changed that much that quickly and but I, it is an intense process and i think the idea of of using this example is that if we're talking about type 2 and if you have some of our listeners sometimes maybe are healthy but have people in their lives who they're trying to help like right. the idea is if you have type 2 no matter who you are you can get it under control through diet i would argue that with 90 plus percent certainty, that's absolutely the case. Mm -hmm. At the same time, I will say it's going to take 
a lot more work than you think. Mm -hmm. Or it can take a lot more work than you think. And particularly a lot of the work in life, and which is something I'm really passionate about, is lifestyle change and creating healthy habits. If you are in a very bad state, having in, in type two, it's going to be a major change for you. And you're going to have to learn a lot of new things. And, and that is intense, as we both know. That's exactly right. It can be a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> But I do feel like I think a lot of people have a lot of fear about changing. Uh, it, it could be about so many things, really. But um, also even just about medically, like it almost sounds like I can't like I should just be taking the drugs. And I'm not completely against taking whatever medication you need to take. But I think a sure. lot of people think that if food is I can't solve this problem with food. Come on. Right. Exactly. It's, you know, our society is, is geared toward medication. And I, I work in the emergency department as, uh, as well. And I see a lot of that. I have a headache. I take Tylenol or ibuprofen. Mm -hmm. I have this, I have a fever. I take a pill to make my fever go down. It's, you have a problem, you take a pill. Mm -hmm. That's, that's just kind of how we think. Um, and I, I see that all the time. And we don't consider that, you know, what uh, Hippocrates said uh, you know, thousands of years ago, let food be thy medicine and medicine be thy food. Mm -hmm. Well, how do you feel? Um, I, I, firstly, I think we're probably going to be winding this up because I'm just mindful of your time and I've covered so many of the good stuff that I wanted to cover. <laughs> um, but do you feel in your practice, like, um, is it, uh, it's, you probably have moments of like excitement where you're helping people and they're really making the changes that you know will help them. Or how do you feel in terms of your work and your your patients? Like you have patients across the spectrum. Uh, we do. We have. I have some patients that I'm like, I don't understand why this person's coming to see me because they're not willing to make any changes. Mm -hmm. But and but they prove me wrong so often. Because they'll come in and they'll say, hey, I, I made one little change. And then we'll see a difference that that made. And then we'll show them the results and say, see, just making that one little change mm -hmm. resulted in all of these good things. You're not fixed, but you've made some positive changes. And that motivates them to take the second step. And it's again, it's, it goes back to we're about doing better. Let's help them get better. Totally. And I think when you set people up for those small successes, like – that they can actually get a win and see the results even I guess in your case your clinic does a lot of testing so right. um I think it is really true when you're in a position of power like you are to to know what to recommend to someone because if somebody's coming in having eaten eaten McDonald's for breakfast lunch and dinner and you say oh you have to do this ketogenic diet blah 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 no sugar like it's just too much but if you can get them to focus on one thing and then see a good result then that can be really inspiring for them that's exactly right so dr edwards tell us a little bit about um your your practice i mentioned that you're in tulsa right so yeah so what I do you guys offer there what what yeah tell so us i have i have um Revolution Health and Wellness Clinic, and our goal is to revolutionize medicine across the spectrum. You know, we want to treat each patient like they're our only patient and really take 
optimal care of them. When they come in with a complaint, and most of the time our patients, you know, the probably the average complaint is, I just don't feel well. Mm-hmm. This kind of vague kind of thing that they go to their other doctors and they get some labs and they say, well, everything's normal. You must be crazy or, you know, mm-hmm. you're making this up or it's in your head or you need an antidepressant. Mm-hmm. But it's so rare that that's truly the case. Uh, there's something else going on. Something's causing this. Let's figure this out. So as you mentioned earlier, we do a lot of testing. We want to know what's going on under the hood. Why does this person feel bad? And let's fix that. Let's turn that around. So lifestyle change is a big part of that with nutrition, exercise, optimizing rest and stress reduction and uh, you know all of those kinds of things. Then the second piece is adding supplements to fix the nutritional gaps and then the third piece would be medications when needed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, some patients need medications. I'm not, I'm not opposed to that, but we want to be careful about how we utilize those. Then we do it. We offer bioidentical hormone replacement therapy, uh, kind of an anti-aging approach to help people age gracefully and stay young and healthy as long as they can. Mm-hmm. And then uh, one of my passions, one of my specialties is what's called prolotherapy. And it's an injection technique where we heal damaged uh, ligaments and tendons so we can take care of a lot of like knee pain, back pain, neck pain, headaches, uh, partially torn ligaments, ankle sprains, all kinds of things that we can resolve and get our patients back to 100% health. Hmm. Awesome. Well, I I wish you were my doctor. I'm on the east, (laughs) east coast of Canada, so it's a bit of a commute, but I would love the weather down there too. Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> and with a name like Laura Jane, you'd fit right in. I know. I'm so Southern. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you so much. And you know, what's really sad, Dr. Edwards, is I know that you're a Seinfeld fan yes. and I am a huge Seinfeld fan because I know I've listened to your podcast Against the Grain and you often make Seinfeld jokes. <laughs> right. And I'm so sad because I was all the whole podcast episode. I was like, how am I going to work a Seinfeld joke in here? And I, I failed. I have none. But I, well, I guess we can end it by saying, that's it. I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I made my joke and now we're done. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. George style. That's right. <laughs> well, I am I'm mindful of your time. So I'm just going to say thank you, Dr. Edwards, so much. And I'm sure, um, you know, thank you on behalf of all your patients for um, really, I think it's so true. What you said is so many people will go to their doctor and just say, you know, things aren't right. And, you know, not all doctors have the time or the ability or or the whatever it is to be able to really address those issues. And I think we all are so in tune with our body and know when we're not feeling right. But the question is, what do we do about it? So thank you on their behalf for listening and going through this with people because, you know, it's so important. Well, thank you. And it was a true honor to be on your uh, podcast and anything that I can do to help you please don't hesitate to let me know. Thank you. So do check out Against the Grain podcast. You can get that on iTunes or just at, what is it, Against the Grain? AgainstTheGrainPodcast.com. Excellent. Um, So there's a lot more, especially if you're interested in, he's got a couple of episodes there about diabetes that talk a little bit more about the um, science where I was like, no, no to science. So he goes a little (laughs) bit more into that. If if you want to kind of take this episode as a jumping off point and, and find out more from Dr. Edwards. So I will let you go. Thank you so much. Hey, thank you.
listening to The Raw Food Podcast with your host, Laura Jane, The Rotarian. Visit me at therawtarian.com to browse over 100 of my absolute favorite, simple, satisfying raw vegan recipes for free. While you're there, be sure to sign up for a free account so you can favorite recipes and access other special features. Also, consider joining the paid section called The Rotarian's Kitchen, where you can watch over 70 video tutorials with me, download all of my eBooks, take online courses and cleanses, get printable PDFs, and much more. Visit therotarian.com slash get TRK for details on what's included. Thank you so much for joining me here today on the Raw Food Podcast, and I hope to hear from you soon. So until next time, enjoy your raw adventure.